You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome to this week's Momentum. Tim and Des with you once again. We are so thrilled to have you here tuning in. Really appreciate you doing that. Des, how are you this week, my friend? Are you well? I'm really good. Really looking forward to this show. And we have, as a guest, a dear, dear friend of mine who has been, you know, he's, he's sewn into my life in so many different ways. And he may not even know that he's sewn into my life in so many ways. But I'm really, really grateful for what he has done in my life. So I'm looking forward to imparting that on to others and I'll let you introduce our Thank guest. you, I appreciate that. Look, um, we, we had this man on the show who's one of our very first interviews on Momentum. We're so thrilled to have him back. Uh, he's been married longer than most of us have been alive. He's got three kids, he's got eight grandkids. Maybe that's increased since we last spoke to him. He's a speaker, author, <laughs> storyteller. He spent many years in leadership as a pastor. More recently, he's lectured in colleges all around Australia and Asia. And we talked about this on the show uh, last year, he, he wrote The Man Book, which is a book designed specifically to help us men in the area of relationships. And we're going to be stepping into that a little bit more in this week's show. It is our absolute privilege, Brian, Andrew, to have you back on Momentum. Welcome back. Hey, Tim and Dad, it's, it's my pleasure. Anything we can do to encourage each other has to be a good thing. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Well, as, as Des has said, who obviously has a, a close relationship with you, you've obviously encouraged him behind the scenes. And I know that the time that we've spent together, you've encouraged me. And when you were on Momentum, I'm sure that you encouraged our listeners. And just in case you haven't heard it, MomentumAustralia.org, by the way, you can check out previous episodes of the show and, and actually hear the episode that we're talking about with Brian, which is one of our very first episodes. But Brian, we did talk about the man book that you've written. And so I thought we'd start just by a reintroduction into today's topic about relationships and how we navigate some of that by just recapping the man book because you said that the man book is going to help us on five key areas and and there's an an interesting feature to the man book as well which I want you to explain and that's the fart protocol <laughs> which I still don't understand so maybe you can just give us a bit of a recap about the man book for guys listening I've got on the back cover that the man book will help you enjoy the best sex you've ever had Instantly, men's ears just pricked up. <laughs> a big ask, isn't it? But some of the young men in my life, I was sharing with them the edit of the back cover, and they said, you've got to put that one up top, man. You know, that's what we're most interested <laughs> yeah, in. So I had it on the bottom, but they said, put it up the top. So play like a team. Stop criticising and arguing. Stop fantasising about someone new. Save you from living home alone. And features a world-first home-based fart protocol. I mean... People look at a cover, they look at the back cover, then they might look at the chapter headings, and that will help them determine whether to buy a book. And no one's ever heard of a FART protocol before. I think you better explain what it is. I was just, are, you, are you going to explain, or is it, are you going to keep it a secret and push men to buy the book? <laughs> well, of course, um, the FART protocol wasn't necessary because of me and my life, you know, but I've <laughs> spoken to others uh, and the wives of others. So I'm messing with you here. But, you know, <laughs> apparently apparently there are some women, world-class uh, passwind people around. You know, I'm not married to one, but I've heard that the room has to be cleared. So it's not just a man thing. <laughs> but overall, I think men are probably louder and prouder than women in that regard. Right. Okay. So what's the protocol exactly? Well, the protocol is how to behave in each room. So what I do... As I was saying, like, like for example, if you're in the bedroom and she's with you, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing a great big, you know, uh, but, you know, 
Uh, I, and I think, so I've gone through every room in the house, and I think if you're <laughs> alone, it's permissible, but if you're with her, it's not permissible. Do the, do the rules change for different rooms? Oh, absolutely. Right. <laughs> right, okay. If you're in the dining room and you're dressed up and you're kind of enjoying a nice meal, well, no, you know, but if you've got your old shirt and T-shirt on and shorts and it's a bit relaxed, it might be permissible. Right, wow. Who knew, who knew that there was so much to this? <laughs> you know, I've actually had a problem here in my house in recent times because it could be said sometimes we have curry or something that um, increases the frequency and the volume of that, uh, you know, kind of thing. Mm. You know what? My wife looks at me and she says, you need to read a book. It's called The Man Book. <laughs> That's right. She <laughs> puts it back on me. And in the lounge, uh, you know, I've got every room, the kitchen, you know, things like that, the bathroom, uh, you know, in your own room, like if you've got a media room or a, um, a shed or whatever, well, there's no protocol there. Just go for it. <laughs> you know, Just wherever um, it comes naturally. But in the car, <laughs> see, the thing is when we're in a car, a guy will think, oh, look, I can let go because she's asleep. She's actually not. No, that's right. You might think she is. She's yeah. resting her eyes. And she may want you to think that she is. <laughs> now, look, as, as much as I love talking about the fart protocol, and I could probably do that for the rest of the show, like, I mean, th let's be honest, uh, that, that can put the damp there on the relationship. And, and we do want to seriously talk today about when the flame starts to flicker. Because for many of us at the beginning stages of a relationship, it's relatively straightforward. We're in the, you know, the... The, the honeymoon phase, if you like, we've met this incredible person. Everything's great. We we have a, you know, a, a beautiful courtship. We we navigate some stuff. We have a wedding. We have a honeymoon, and then real life settles in, and that's what we want to talk about today on the show. How do we navigate work commitments, social commitments, maybe fitness commitments, church commitments? Kids might come along, that sort of thing. We're going to start to unpack that. So I guess let let's look at the the beginning stages of the relationship, Brian, and just to kind of set the scene and go, what actually happens for us at the beginning of the relationship in our bodies? Like what's happening to us, this kind of euphoric feeling when we meet that someone and how that kind of can change over the course of relationships. So let's start at the beginning. Yeah, well, apparently now it can be proven that our brain chemicals are going crazy during that time. Uh, perhaps a more relevant uh, description of our emotion and our body is that we move into a zone of temporary insanity. <laughs> uh, you know, and we, we, what, what happens is there might be little things in our life that we think are cute, but over time they become an irritation. And if they're not addressed, the irritation become, can become a resentment. And yeah. so I think I, it, when couples are all fresh and new, you, you don't want to point that out in uh, more than just a very careful diplomatic way to rob them of the joy they're experiencing. But I've seen it happen over and over and over for decades. And, and But, you know, when you're temporarily insane, others would describe it as an explosion of the lust hormone. You know, whatever it is, our values or our ability to think clearly is affected. And some of those differences that we have, we kind of park them up on the shelf because they're not so important as being captured by her beauty. Mm. You know, we're on our best behavior and and so forth. So that, that wears off. It just does wear off. So why is it that, and we've all experienced this, let's be honest, why is it then that something we overlook in the beginning, 
you get six months, 12 months, two years, five years down the track. And that it's that thing that you either loved at the beginning or tolerated at the beginning just becomes one of the biggest irritants about that person. Why is that? It just does. It happens. All, I think it happens to everyone. I think you're right. Um, well, I, you know, maybe it is a temporary insanity. You know, we're so focused on her eyes and the curves and uh, the, the carefree nature of the relationship and, and you're talking dream. I mean, can you believe it? That even the average guy will talk for hours uh, yeah. during that time. Mm. You know, I mean, we really are in a different zone. We're just in a different zone. And it's it's really hard. And sometimes, you know, like when you've been around the, for a while, you can already see the differences in a couple that will become an issue later on. But they really, I don't, it's hard. It's really hard because you don't want to like be a, um, you know, like putting a, a cold rag on the thing, you know, like, oh, you guys, I would, I would hate anyone to say that. You know, we want to celebrate their love, enjoy their love, uh, the flirtatious nature of it, the fact that they're insatiable with hunger to be with each other. They do beautiful things. They hire helicopters. They go out on boats. They, they do flowers every day. Um, you know what I mean? You don't yeah. want to rob a couple of that. Hmm. But do, do you think, Brian... I mean, you've talked about uh, marriage guidance counselling and helping couples uh, through those early days. And, and in that phase, you do identify those things that may become a problem. Uh, and so I think it's important that, that couples go through that phase. At least they're aware of them then. Well, yeah, and uh, interestingly, I'm doing uh, more weddings than ever at the moment. So that gives me great opportunity. And most of my weddings, uh, especially at the moment, are couples in their late 20s and 30s. Right. And I'm like, why are you even asking me? Why don't you get a young, hip uh, celebrant? And they all say, hey, we want uh, wisdom. Mm. Most of them, they don't know me. They find me online or whatever. Um, And so in that setting, Des, yes, it's easy and natural to talk about that because I might talk about the different kinds of love. I also give them a copy of the man book. And, uh, you know, we might talk about it. So in that setting, I think you can. Um, I think it takes wisdom to not rob a fresh couple of their joy. I married a couple recently who are in their 60s. You know, they've been deaf and divorced and, in fact, several. Uh, And and once again, same things kicked in. Mm. In the instances I'm thinking of now, those differences are being negotiated. And I'll say to them, look, just keep talking about it. Because I think, I think couples need to be reminded at that point, the very core of a successful relationship is acceptance. Mm. Things that you saw earlier you thought were cute are now driving you nuts. You need to separate that from the person she is. And she needs to know that you are in for the long haul, you accept her, and by the way, I might say, guys, has it occurred to you that she might notice things in your life that mm. she didn't notice earlier? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Can I just, I mean, I think what you mentioned there, Brian, is a, is a key thing. And I want to talk about that. Ultimately, what we're looking for in relationships, because for a man and a woman, it's different, right? At our core, I think women are looking, if I get this right, like it, there's stability and safety and trust. And for men, I think it's acceptance and respect and those sorts of. Can you just speak into that space for us? I, I guys, guess just to give the guys listening a bit of, a, a bigger or better picture, rather, sorry, of hey, what, what's at the core of 
what my my wife or my partner actually requires from me as a man and as a husband. Men and women are fundamentally different. They just are. Their brains are wired differently and so forth. So I think in general, the fact that a woman wants the security of knowing your commitment to her, no matter what, your availability uh, to her, no matter what, um, and her value to you, you know, things like that. I, I think yeah, they, sometimes my wife, for example, she just wants to be held. And that's not a patronising thing because what most of us guys want to do is we want to analyse an issue if there's some tears or something like that. We want to sort it out. But she doesn't necessarily want you to fix anything or yes. sort it out. She just wants to be held. Yeah. Hmm. It took me a while to learn that. It didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I thought, no, we've got to sort this out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I can, I can hear you guys laughing. I, I Look, it took me a while to figure that out. I. Uh, it was a big win when I finally learned it. And I think, you know, guys want, as you said, Tim, they want to be respected. We want to know that we've got what it takes. And I can't tell you the number of times I'll be somewhere in a social setting and the woman will start paying out on her guy and he'll pay out on him around the area of him not having what it takes. Mm. You are crushing that guy right now. Mm. You know, I think men and women have got to learn that and... But I think men, they're also different because the average woman, no matter how drop dead strikingly gorgeous she is, she looks in the mirror and sees her flaws. So the average bloke, no matter how ugly he is, looks in the mirror and sees perfection. <laughs> uh, just kind of what we're like, you know. Um, I don't know if you picked up on that, but looking at, I think Des probably thinks that every day he looks in the mirror. My <laughs> gosh, he thinks. Perfection. Maybe 40 years ago. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Um, look, I mean, we laugh about that, but let's talk about briefly before we cut to a break, and then I want to come back and talk about a very serious topic. But before we go there, let's talk about expectations, because let's be honest, expectations either going into the relationship or in the relationship about what it's going to be like. Uh, I mean, it's good to have a degree of expectation, but most of us have unrealistic or very high expectations that can't be met, and then we get disappointed. Brian, speak into that space for me about expectations. And I think that's another um, big difference because most men go into a relationship hoping she'll stay the same. That's why they're so captivated. And most mm. women go into a relationship hoping we'll change. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you've got a significant conflict right there. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very uh, um, complex question because you've got, for example, your own family background. Yeah. And you, we go into relationships uh, in a large measure, we've got expectations based on, like, for example, for myself, how my dad treated my mum. And and that was my model, you know, even if it was subconscious, it was still there. So, look, I think what you said about expectations being unrealistic is generally true. And I think that comes back to our own mindset, our own heart, and our own view. I think for Moira and I, right from the get-go, we had uh, values that were the same and we had motivation that was the same. And so if you've got motivation, which for us was our Christian faith, and we've got values clarity because, look, I have to say that we've never degenerated in, well, not for a long time and not much, into he said, she said and all that juvenile behaviour. You know, mm. we basically looked into the word of God, the world's bestseller, and we thought, well, I wonder what, I wonder what this book says about that. 
So uh, we had this shift expectation just from our personal background, our personality, our age, our likes, our dislikes and all that. And we were able, I think, to separate that somewhat and say, or like the, the love chapter, one that's most requested at weddings, love is patient, love is kind. And so that kind of writing became our template. And, and that's very confronting because love never keeps a record of wrongs. Mm. Love always believes. It never gives up. I mean, so we were constantly looking in the mirror and probably putting high expectations on ourselves rather than on each other. And I think that helped. I really do. As a couple rather than, you know, trying to beat each other up. That's great. Great advice. Yeah, that's powerful. I think, too, there are seasons that change. You know, we've been married 46 years, and I would say it's 46 years of fresh. We're still fresh after all those years because we are curious, we're childlike, we're learning, and I think we're giving. Like every day we wake up with a sense of uh, making a contribution, making someone's life a little better. So we're not actually preoccupied with our own needs. And I think we've moved into a community up here on the Sunshine Coast, the 56 apartments, and uh, we're, we're having a remarkable time. You know, a lot of new friends and um, people are not pushing back on our Christian faith, probably because we're being kind and generous and friendly and listening. And, and uh, I read recently that um, experts would say being listened to and being loved is essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. People do not distinguish. So if you listen to someone, they feel incredibly loved and valued. Um, it's not really distinguishable with love. And I think in relationships, of course, that's incredibly important. So, yeah, okay. I mean, we've got, we've got our GPS, man, and we, we wake up every day with that sense of purpose. And we're not preoccupied with fiddling around in the puddle on the side of the paddock. Um, we've got our eyes on, on the goal. Good. Yeah. Being listened to and being loved, that is powerful. Uh, pretty much being the same. That is really powerful. Um, our special guest this week is Brian Andrew, and you're listening to Tim and Des on Momentum all around Australia. Uh, we started the conversation this week with uh, Brian's book. It's called The Man Book. And the first thing that The Man Book can help you with is enjoying the best sex you've ever had. So let's come back and talk about that after the break. You're with Momentum with Tim and Des. We'll talk soon. All right, welcome back to Momentum, wherever you are around Australia. really appreciate you tuning in. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. You can check that out after the show and uh, hear previous episodes too. But it's Tim and Des with you once again. And our special guest is Brian Andrew. We had Brian on the show early last year and uh, talked about the man book. And as we uh, led to uh, before the break, we we alluded to that uh, one of the first things the man book is going to help you do is enjoy the best sex you've ever had which is a very big claim, and we'll get to that in a moment, And uh, Brian. But um, I want to talk to you about this word of intimacy, um, because a lot of guys, you know, we think about sex, we don't necessarily think about intimacy. And, you know, when we think about intimacy, a lot of us will instinctively go to the act, whether it's sex or making love. But what do you think true intimacy actually is between a couple? You know, I think really it's emotional closeness. It's really that simple, but it's extraordinarily not simple in terms of making (laughs) that real in your relationship. But uh, look, you could ask so many people, as one famous uh, marriage therapist did, what what will it take 
for you to be happy in this relationship because the couples were seeing a therapist because the relationship was broken down. And they all said to feel and love again, to feel mm -hmm. and love again. And, and he was shocked at that because he thought they would say, well, communication's the issue, uh, learning to resolve conflict. He actually ditched conflict resolution and swapped it with emotional wholeness. And uh, I've read a number of his books over the years, and I would agree with that entirely. And that's something that men generally are not good at. Uh, you know, we tend to be a bit more mind and physically uh, aware and not so emotionally aware. So emotional closeness is, I think, what real intimacy is. And then great sex is almost a byproduct of that. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it doesn't work the other way around. Yeah. So just explain, we'll come back to the sex part in just a moment, but explain emotional wholeness to guys listening right now. What does that look like? Yeah, I think emotional wholeness is critical. And uh, the second last, no, the last chapter of the man book deals with uh, what they call the EQ. Because uh, studies have proven that our EQ, our emotional quotient, is far more important than our IQ in developing an effective relationship. So the EQ comes back to the condition of the inner core of our being, who, who we really are. It's a center of our, um, well, that's our being, our creative creativity, our ability to love and, and so forth. And it's not predominantly a reason-based thing. It's more a feeling-based thing. And people historically have diminished or even been cynical and critical of the power of emotion in a relationship, I think they were wrong. And I think these days there's more awareness of that. So it means like me being a whole person. I was talking to an older uh, guy just in the last couple of weeks that I've got to know over the last year or so up here. And he said, look, uh, a duck is born a duck and will always be a duck. He said, I was born an attack dog and I'm still an attack dog and that's all I ever will be. And oh. so I found that a very stimulating conversation. It comes back to, can a leopard change its spots? And I said to him, look, uh, we can change. Essentially, if you're a duck, yeah, be, a, be the best duck you can. But in this aggressive stance that he takes, uh, it's, it's counterproductive, it's intimidating, it does damage. I said, look, you can change. He was a little unsure of that. I said, it might take divine help. And I, I made a point, gently as I could, I said, sometimes the reason people are so angry and it's just under the surface is they still got the wounds of childhood yeah. or the wounds of young adulthood. And so when something happened, there's a trigger. So it's not just the issue at hand. It actually triggers something that happened to you when you were a child. He was profoundly moved by that and he didn't push back. It was, but it's like, so I think if, we men, for example, are prone to anger and we get angry quickly. Um, that applies to women too. Maybe we need to just take a little bit of a look into our past. Hmm. Why am I so easily angered? Um, I was very fortunate to be brought up in a loving home with three brothers and a, a really good mum and dad. I don't think we realised probably how good an upbringing it was till later. I never heard my dad raise his voice once. Uh, he was six foot, he was kind, he was a good listener. Uh, Mum was closer to five foot, they loved dancing. They, they created an environment that was healthy. 
Yeah. And of course, as a child, I wouldn't have known that. But for example, also, any kids in the neighborhood who were in trouble, like the house two down where the dad was a principal of the school, but he drank too much. Where did those frightened children run when dad got angry and started belting mum to our house? Hmm. And I, you know what I mean? I, I confess to a really good start in life without being aware of it, that our house was the safe house, the happy house, the giving yeah. house. Um, but I think if we've got wounds of childhood or teenage or even adult years, that a wound needs to become a scar. And that's okay. We've all got scars. Mm. But if the wound is not the scar, then we've got issues. Mm. I know that's a bit of a long answer. I don't mean it to be complicated. But if we don't sometimes deal with that kind of stuff, we're going to be pushing her back. Uh, we're not going to want to talk about it. Um, perhaps we're ashamed or embarrassed or in denial. Emotional closeness is not just easily obtainable. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't got it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. And, you know, there's uh, there's so many men who are listening who don't have, you know, a father figure, don't have that sort of strong bond or role model for as a father. Um, what would you suggest to men who are listening who do have that issue of, you know, they get aggressive, they get, you know, they don't open up about their world and their emotions and so forth. What would you recommend to a man who's going through that, Brand? I think try and find someone. You know, we're culturally much more aware of the need for men to have mentors and models. Uh, you know, if you're in the church, look around. Look at some guy that, you know, and ask if you can have a coffee with him. Mm. Uh, if perhaps you're not in a church, there's things like the men's sheds all over Australia. I, I think I think just find someone. It doesn't have to be a biological uh, person related yes. to you. But um, I, I've actually, even since we've moved up here, got several men who talked to me about that and yeah. said, can we have a coffee? Mm. And as much as I'm available, I've said yes to several of them. And so we don't have an agenda. Um, mm. I don't have a template. I'm listening, trying yeah. to love them. And, yeah, so, yeah. I hope we're not straying off the topic here, but, but it really, to be emotionally close, I think, both of us need to get that sense of wholeness. We need to be comfortable in our own skin. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know, rather yeah. than looking in the mirror and saying how awesome we are, we ought to at least be able to like ourselves. Yes, yes. Uh, surprisingly to me, as the young follower of Jesus, I found that uh, Jesus said, hey, what really matters is that you love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. And I thought that was a typo. How can you possibly mention self-love in the Bible? I'm like, what is this? But, of course, over time I grew to understand that if we don't have self-love, not in a narcissistic way, but in a confident one, like I'm confident being me, I'm confident in my identity, then out of that you can build emotional closeness. But if you're not and you're trying to be someone else or you're angry about someone else, you won't get that emotional closeness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it's powerful stuff. And I mean, when you look at what you said, Brian, there, I mean, the reality is that we've all got those scars and those issues. And if we haven't dealt with them, um, th there's a famous quote, something about, you know, if, if you don't heal something, then you'll bleed on those who didn't cut you or something like that. And in other words, um, you know, if, if, if we don't deal with that stuff, those closest to us will cop the result of that if we haven't dealt with it. Um, and and you talked about there about if we can become emotionally whole as as men, then we can develop this intimacy with our partner. Um, 
and that that leads to the best sex that we've ever had right in the bedroom but let's talk outside of that um some of the ways that we can do that before we get married because technically as christians right we're, we're not jumping into bed together we're developing this emotional intimacy um without the bedroom being present and then how can we do that when we're married and make the transition into that space as well look i think um Moira and i have been very intentional right from the get-go i may have said last time that we met and married in just over 12 weeks and we lived in different cities so it was a pretty rapid uh, that we didn't know each other when we got married hmm. almost like an arranged marriage um but it's worked well um because of our values harmony uh, our motivation harmony but also we got very intentional right from the get-go and we started to read books there wasn't so many around then i mean it was a long time ago um but we went to anything and everything that we came across that would build our marriage wow. we, we somehow we intuitively knew that this was the most important thing we're going to do and let's do it well hmm. this might sound a little bit unusual but i actually started to carry a little notebook and when i saw a couple who I thought, oh, look at that couple, mate. They're, they're cool together, they're enjoying life and all that. I would actually go and talk to them and say, hey, I've just watched you. Yeah. Can you give me some tips on how to have a good marriage? And so, wow. yeah. and they're like, nobody ever pushed back on that. Yeah. Uh, they were quite happy. And so we read books, we went to seminars, we, you name it, we were there. We showed up at everything, whether it was church yeah. or we, we traveled most of the first two years around the world. And anything, anywhere that was going to help us build. But I think we treated our marriage like an investment. Yeah, and that's good. And we all know that if we want to invest like money to get a return, you just got to keep on putting in. And then, uh, you know, compound the interest is astonishing, they tell me. Um, but uh, I think with us, we're reaping the dividends of those years of investing, seminars, anything. There used to be a thing called cassettes before you fellows were <laughs> around. But in those days, there was cassettes. Then, of course, later on, there was podcasts and everything. So we, we were just hungry to do this so well that, um, that, that you know, obviously brought a closeness as well. And, and I would say, too, we weren't doing this when we were pastors. We were already doing that. Mm. It wasn't something we did because I was paid to do it. Mm. It was because I thought, we want to do this well. Mm. And I have to say, like last night, about a dozen of our family kids were having a um, tie down on the beach watching the sun go down. Tonight, four of them are coming to stay a night or two. Uh, I, I'm a rich man yeah. in social and spiritual capital. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, it's kind of more important than any it's other. absolutely sort of more important. It's, you know, it's interesting. I was at church on Sunday um, the Central Coast, and there was a an older couple, I guess, at my age and a little bit more, maybe. And they um, they were so affectionate with each other. I mean, their wife put her hand on his shoulder and stroked him, and it just and it was just a natural thing that they did, but based around a lifetime of relationship and relationship done well. And you could tell, you know, it was amazing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So look, as we as we get to the end of the show, Brian, and before we run out of time, um, there'll be people listening who hear your story and and how you guys invested into that, and and then hear Des talking about that couple at church, and they go, "That is wonderful. I wish I had that, but that's not my experience." Okay, 
So for the guys listening who are in a marriage or a relationship where they've lost that intimacy or they never really fully had it at the beginning, some things that they can take away right now and go and implement into the relationship to start either redeveloping that or developing it in their relationship with their wife or their partner? I think there are so many resources around. There, are, As we mentioned, uh, there are people we can talk to. I think professional help uh, can be good if there's an awareness. Um, a lot of us men find it easier to, to deny than be aware and then have to deal with what we become aware of. Uh, Counselors, psychologists, people in churches, um, people generally, maybe you've got... Uh, look, I'm amazed at the number of people who've got a really wise old grandma in their world. And they yeah. say, and, and Will Smith is one of those. I just coincidentally finished reading his book. And he's got an old grandma who was the nearest uh, thing he's ever seen to someone who loves God and lives like God. And she had a profound effect on his life. Perhaps not enough of an effect, but, uh, you know, um, so I think I would do anything I can. And if I was single again... I would actually have a fresh look at things, you know, if I thought maybe I was in the market, but I'm not planning <laughs> to be in the market, but if I was, I would I would just keep learning, keep growing. Oh. And and some a lot of guys will say, Oh, I don't read. Hey, podcasts. Yeah. Mm. It's not a, a a mature or wise defense. I don't read. Anyone can listen. Yeah. And you can listen in the car. And anyone can talk to people. And if you do read, you can go into bookshops and look in the relationship section. There's some really good stuff there. And I might even do that myself. You know, I'm, I'm not in, uh, planning that I'll need to, but I think we've got to – and I think too, mate, I would keep coming back to my heart and because people have hard hearts, broken hearts, they're stingy hearts, whatever, and I'm like, I want to be a soft-hearted old guy. Uh, when I tell mm-hmm. my kids that, they say, well, you're already an old guy, so you know, <laughs> there's nothing to wait for in that regard. But I want to be soft-hearted, wholehearted, generous, and all of those positive things. And and I think come back to your heart, guys. That's what I'd say. Come back. And, and if you need some help, get some help. And maybe uh, take a real leap of uh, courage, and if you do have a lady in your life, ask her something really, really dangerous like, you know, how could I love you better? Hmm. Uh, you know, some of those questions that we find hard, but hmm. you know, yeah, what, what are we missing? Um, how can we get that back? Yeah. You know, just talk about it and um, then be intentional. Once again, there's been so much you've imparted into us, Brian, through wisdom and advice, and we've barely scratched the surface of what we actually were going to talk about, which so I think we'll we'll park that there and come back and talk about that in the next show. And also just throw kids into the mix as well, because you said that you're a wealthy man with your family, you've got kids and grandkids. And so let's talk about how kids can change a relationship. Let's park that on the shelf and we'll do that next time. In the meantime, just want to recap, Brian Andrew has been our special guest and his book is The Man Book. Uh, If you want to find out a bit more about that, um, Brian has a website. It's called livehappytogether.com.au, livehappytogether.com.au. You can find out more about Brian, what he does, uh, he and his wife, and of course, the man book there encourage you to uh, to pick that up and have a read through and of course you can find out more about the fart protocol which is where we started the show gonna part that there brian hey really appreciate your input into us yep. uh today man and we'll come back and talk to you next week on momentum bless you thanks tim thanks des and anytime just be in touch you've been listening to momentum a show that helps men succeed in life 
For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum. Momentum.